Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier, and we are back for another episode. Today we're going to talk to 2020 Lipscomb Academy graduate, graduate Houston High. He's now a pitcher at Freed Hardeman University and is also spending the summer with the Dubois County Bombers in the Ohio Valley League there in southern Indiana. Uh, it's been quite a baseball journey for him, so we are excited to talk to him about all of that. Before we get started, though, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. We're going to bring in Houston now, who is joining us live from the ballpark. That's right. Houston, thanks for being here. uh, Thank you all again for having me. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Um, When you messaged me on Twitter, I really appreciate it and uh, thankful for the opportunity. So thank you again. So Houston, this summer with the Bombers, um, pretty neat experience that you're getting to have there. Uh, it's at Historic League Stadium, which of course is where they filmed the movie A League of Their Own. Uh, the community really yep. backs the team. I saw last night's attendance was over a thousand, which for a, a summer collegiate baseball league is really just astounding stuff. How neat of an atmosphere for has, has that been for you um, over the past month or so? Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. It's uh, like you said, we're in Southern Indiana. We're in a town called Hummingbird. Indiana, obviously in Dubois County, and there are three, um, three towns here in Dubois County, three big ones, and all of them come out and support the team. We actually just got done with the day two of our kids camp up here, and you had kids from all over, um, all over Southern Indiana. It felt like, and but like you said, the community really uh, gets behind the team. Um, not only a thousand people, but a thousand people on a Tuesday night, which is really the impressive part. A couple weeks ago, we hosted the full count rhythm from Hendersonville. And had over 2,200 people here on a Saturday night. So, really, it really is some very neat experiences and great atmospheres to play in front of for uh, college summer ball. It's been it's been a blast. At Houston, uh, how familiar were you with the movie A League of Their Own before you got there? Was that something you had to be introduced to, or uh, had you already seen it? I'm it's, I'm getting older, so I know it's been a while since it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're a big uh, baseball family, as y'all know, so. Um, just with stuff being on TV, I'd watched the movie a couple times, bits and pieces on TV growing up. So I knew about the movie and the, the gist of it in the stadium. Um, but I actually rewatched it the first couple of days I was up here just for some little references. There's, there's a sign about Harvey bars, which is, I think the man's name was John Harvey or something like that, who funded the league in the movie. And you've got the Rockford peaches, which is the team that played here. Um, right below the uh, manual scoreboard in left field that you have two men that manually put up the numbers um, every inning, uh, just like a, you know, a big time. It will be, I think it's Fenway uh, ballpark. So it's really cool. Um, but I had watched the movie, thankfully, before I got up here. I had teammates who hadn't. So that was a little, little awkward for them. They kind of got shamed by the local, local people that they needed to watch it. But I was glad I'd watched it before I got up here. You know you're taking a step back in time when you see the uh, the manual innings changer. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, so Houston, you are off. You are fresh off a strong finish to your first season there at Freed Hardeman. That final outing you had was uh, your dad called it the game of your life, and that really is no exaggeration given the stakes. Uh, it's a complete game: nine innings, eight hits, three earned runs, just one walk, seven strikeouts on on 116 pitches. Um, you guys won there, seven six over Georgia Gwinnett, who entered that that series with just incredible offensive numbers. Uh, and that was the NAIA tournament. Um, so you guys were able to avoid elimination there, but I guess on that night, what got into you that allowed you to have that, that great outing? Yeah. So we got sent to Georgia Gwinnett 
on um, the selection day, I mean, just like any other tournament, we were sitting in a room in the library, a nice uh, got fed and everything, and they uh, told us on the video that we were going to get sent to Georgia Gwinnett. They were the number two overall seed. Um, we had lost to them the day before, 21-4, to I believe. So, obviously, took a gut punch from the, the big team there. They were hosting, obviously. Um, had to beat a really good team out of Nebraska uh, in the loser's bracket to fight to even get to that game that night where I got to throw. And uh, really, so just finished my junior year in school, sophomore year on the field, um, and really just wanted to give those older guys another day of baseball. Um, we we forced the, if necessary, game the next day, and I just really did not want to be the starting pitcher on the game when – you know, it, as every level of baseball, it ends for every team and, you know, sad tears except for happy tears for that one team that wins the national championship. So the the big thing in my mind was I was not going to let it be on me. It wasn't going to be – I was going to give everything I had for our team to put ourselves in the best position to where, you know, when you're going to sleep that night, you know full well I gave everything I had and wanted to give our team the best chance to succeed. And thankfully we had – an offense that got out to a seven-run lead, I believe, after the fourth inning, and you know had a wild sixth inning, but was able to hold on for the for the uh, for the victory and able to force that winner-take-all game to get to Lewiston, Idaho. Now we unfortunately fell short there, but I was was glad to be able to help and do my part that day. Yeah, Houston, you've had an eventful career path to this point with some certainly some difficulties that we're going to kind of get to. How has the Freed Hardeman culture? you know, situation, program, that stability or what have you, how has that kind of helped you get on track or just maybe maybe made you feel a little more settled in? Absolutely. It's been great. Um, from day one, I walked into a program last fall where winning was the expectation. And winning is obviously very important. There's things off the field that are more important, but that the goal is to win, and we're going to win baseball games, and um, that's the standard. And we had older pitchers, uh, a guy named Alex Huey, who's a Columbia Academy graduate. He, this past spring, uh, set the record for all-time wins and strikeouts at Freed Hardman. And he was in his fifth year. And he was a good guy to lean on, who had been there for all five years and knew how to win, knew how to compete. And I had a teammate from the summer before I played for the Alden River Dragons. His name was Colton Hunt. And so I had known him prior to going into Freed, which is – which was a big blessing and just two guys that knew how to compete. And when you have a great team um, of talent, you're always pushing each other, whether that's in an inner squad or, you know, you're throwing bullpens and the guy next to you, you're always pushing each other to try to become the best version of yourself to where there's competition to get on the field also. And so you realize, you know, if I don't perform to my ability, I may not throw for a little while. So it's that healthy competition like you see in any other sport when they talk about, you know, the quarterback room, the healthy competition that you, you want each other to succeed, but you want the best guy out there. And whoever that is at that moment, you know, let's give that guy the ball. Let's go out and compete. And it's that healthy competition. I think that really brings out the best of you um, to put your best foot forward. As Tyler mentioned in that last question, it has been a pretty long road for you to get to this point, uh, Houston. So let's start with the, what was probably the biggest roadblock uh, when you tore your UCL and your throwing elbow, it was literally your first college appearance on, on the mound for union university a couple of years ago in February, 2021. 
I know that's usually a year long recovery process, I guess, kind of take us through that recovery and how it went. Yeah. So, um, backtrack a little bit real quick. So my senior year was the COVID year too. So that, that was a big gut punch also. So we played two games my senior year at Lipscomb. Thankfully I was already committed to a four year school. Um, so didn't play that spring. And like you said, rolled into the spring at union through, um, that first time at Lee and eventually or tore my UCL there. And so that whole year was on the shelf and really, the biggest thing that I'll tell people that I learned from that whole experience was how gr- I became that much more grateful to just be playing the game. Um, it's the year long recovery, as you said, it's um, three or four weeks. I can't remember the exact timetable of each step in the process, but where you're locked at 90 degrees and you've got a cast that goes all the way up to your armpit, to your, to your hand, over your wrist. And it made me that much more grateful to just be able to play the game whether that's excelling at the game or not, but being able to step up on the rubber, toe the rubber, and just throw was something that I became that much more grateful for. And as everybody knows, your your career athletically, it's going to run out. Time's going to run out for anybody. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Albert Pujols and you play until you're 40 or you play until you're 18 or you play until you're 22, 23. The clock is going to run out for everybody. And I think going through that experience with Tommy John taught me to be that much more grateful for every time I can get out on the mound and compete. That injury is such a scary one for baseball players because it, they kind of know what comes next uh, when they hear those those three letters. Uh, when it initially happened, Houston, how quickly did it take – or how quickly did you kind of shift to the mindset of being down on yourself to, okay, and now it's time to get healthy, I need to – I need to do a little bit of mental strengthening and get ready for the physical process that's coming. Absolutely. So I threw that inning at Lee and it was actually the next week we were throwing live ABs in our indoor facility and we had a really big snow. I think, I guess that would have been late February of 21, like you said, and was throwing in the indoor and kind of just, it went from a sore, dull, sore pain. Like I just lifted weights to, it felt like someone just shoved a knife in my elbow, right in that little, part where the obviously the UCL ligament is and so like you said was down on myself just you know why me why did this have to happen to me I work hard I you know I check the boxes the why me kind of a just a a loser's limp attitude and but then pretty quick the the mindset had to change and for me um, something that I took from it was that I was going to go out on my terms as far as my baseball career that I've had friends and, you know, you know of people that an injury kind of derails their career and that's probably all it is going to, that's all there's going to be for them. And I guess there was some stubbornness to it where I didn't want to go out like that. The year before was COVID, so didn't get to play at all. And then that year was when I tore my UCL my freshman year and, you know, through an inning. And so I didn't want to go out like that as a baseball player. I just selfishly, I wanted to get back on the field and I was going to do whatever it took. And thankfully, I had a lot of people in my corner. My family um, was, has been great still. And I had a really good uh, physical therapist in Ryan Myers at uh, Bone and Joint in Franklin. And he had had the surgery, too. He played at the University of Tennessee, got drafted. And he had, like I said, he had the surgery. So he kind of knew the obstacles and the hoops you're going to have to jump through. So he was huge being in my corner. But just that feeling of, like I said, it, it's going to end up – the career – 
you know, you're going to run out of time for everybody, but I wanted to go out on my terms as best I could. And I did not want to go out like that on an injury. I wanted to be able to get up on that rubber again and show that I could do it and show that I could overcome uh, that obstacle of having Tommy John. And you did that. You, you made a pit stop at Vol State, got some limited work there last season. And then uh, the plan was to, to go pitch a full summer with the Alton River Dragons, the summer team you mentioned earlier, to try to you know showcase what you could do for those four-year schools and get back to kind of the level I'm sure you'd wanted to be at. But that whole plan was delayed by this, I guess, strange onset of, of Graves' disease, which is a hyperthyroid, hyperthyroid autoimmune issue, can cause all kinds of health problems. Um, I guess, how were you able to get back to full health, Houston, so quickly that you were still able to make it up there to to the Alton River Dragons to, to you know, throw those innings you needed to throw? Yes, sir. So um, was getting a ride around to the 11, 12-month mark of Tommy John. Was feeling really good physically. Arm felt great. Um, the velocity had come back. Had put on a decent amount of weight from – I had lost weight after surgery. And so I'd gotten to a decent weight, felt pretty strong, arm felt good. And once I got to that mark, started to throw a few innings for Ball State, and my weight started to drop, my endurance started to drop. Um, kind of just felt like I was running in sand. Didn't really have, couldn't really get back to the physical level of conditioning where I was before, and didn't really know why. And finally got it checked out after my Ball State season was over and figured out that it was that Graves' disease and was able to get on medication and was trying to put on weight as quick as I, as quick as I possibly could, trying to just eat as much as I could, work out, um, pay attention to my body, and kind of just was in this same mindset of stubborn. I'm not going to let this – I'm not. I'm going to let this affect me as little as possible. I want to go play baseball. I want to go pitch. I want to win. You know, this is just another hurdle. I just got to keep trucking. And so it didn't really – there was no secret formula to it, but just tried to eat as much as possible, get in the weight room and throw and get my arm in shape as well because I wanted to go up there and be able to compete. I mean, the Prospect League is a very competitive college league and wanted to get up there and be able to hit the ground running and be able to throw and you know compete and uh, help my team win up there. Houston, you've also had a rough go with uh, two cases of COVID uh, since, since – uh the pandemic began. I, I just, this is, this is one of the things about sports that, uh, that people always talk about that at some point you're going to have challenges and I relate to the real world. Once sports are over, you're going to have, there's going to be some kind of way when you're in the workforce that you're going to have challenges you have to overcome. Have you gotten a sense yet? Have you, has that kind of, uh, resonated in your mind that this stuff is actually going to help me down the road when, when baseball is done and I've got to, I've got to go do a, a career job. Absolutely. I think for anyone in sports, when you go through those hurdles, whether that's um, team related, losing ball games or individual injuries, you know, COVID sickness, surgery, anything like that. It, like you said, it prepares you that much more for the workforce to where when things are going to go sideways, cause they are, you know, it's not always going to be, perfect for you in whatever career path or wherever you find yourself there's going to be obstacles and bumps in the road and learning how to you know take that in stride and keep going uh, is something that's very important like you said and just having uh, you get having a grateful mindset because there are people that you know don't have it as fortunate as you are and I'm so thankful that you know, I've had a support system that allows me to keep playing baseball and the fact that I can be up here in Southern Indiana right now playing baseball 
and a lot of people in a lot of places in the world and not even, you know, the state or the county don't have the opportunity or the support system to be able to, you know, play a game. And so that's been a big thing, too, is realizing that it is a game. You know, people talk about the game of life, too, but realizing that it's a game and, you know, it's a privilege to be able to play and uh, to be able to do whatever whatever it takes to keep playing it, as long as you enjoy it, you know, for the love of the game, as I said. Houston, we're glad you're feeling better and everything. And now that we've uh, quizzed you on kind of your, your whole health history, we're going to get to some fun stuff here. Uh, first up, I guess uh, – Take us through your approach to pitching. It doesn't seem like you're striking out a ton of guys, but but what you're doing on the mound seems to be effective more often than it's not. Yeah, I don't I don't know why, but I've never been a huge strikeout guy. Um, I really think if you can just force weak contact, that that's the name of the game. You have fielders behind you, uh, use them, let them work, and especially from a pitch count standpoint, if I can throw you a you know, low and away changeup and get you to roll over the shortstop on the first or second pitch, that's great because a strikeout takes three pitches minimum. And if I can get you on one or two pitches, all power to you. I mean, you know, go put the ball in play. I'm going to let my defense work, especially with uh, George Gwinnett recently in my last school outing. You had a really, really talented team. You had the NAIA player of the year, A.J. Sipkowski, who was a great ball player. Um, he was the first guy to go 30. 30 in NAI, uh, finished with 33 home runs, I believe, and 36 stolen bases, and finished with over 100 RBIs. And the only other guy to do that was um, J.D. Drew, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. But when you're facing a really potent lineup that you realize, or I'm not at least the type of guy who's going to finish that game with 12, 13 Ks. I think I finished with seven, like you said earlier, but just trying to force weak contact. Um, last night, I through the ninth for our uh, game against Muhlenberg, uh, another team in the OBL. And I had a guy 3-1. He was their three-hole hitter. He's a good player. And I just spun a curveball up there where, you know, if you want to hit it, hit it. You know, put the ball in play for me. You're helping me out so I don't have to go into another 3-2 count. Just trying to force weak contact and let the defense work because uh, a defense that is getting balls is going to be one that's that much more – engaged and active because they know they're that much more likely to get a ball versus if you strike out the side, that's great, but they may be a step slow back there and honestly a little bored. How close are you and your brother Hunter? He's kind of a, I had, I never covered you Houston, but Hunter is definitely kind of a, he's got a wild streak. He's got the Nike Monarch dad shoes. He requested to have those cleats put into uh, what are the similarities there and what's your guys bond like? Absolutely. I love Hunter. He's a, he's a great brother. Um, the, the story behind the dad shoes, as he would tell you, is um, I believe it was my senior year of high school. My grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, gave me and Hunter a $100 bill and told us to go both go get a pair of shoes. And so we went to the shoe show in Dixon, Tennessee, which shoe show is hard to say five times fast, right? But we go to the shoe <laughs> show, and the only shoes that we could both afford were at the time the nike air monarchs that at the time were 49.95 so again with tax it pushes a little over but thankfully uh my dad brent high he, co he covered the excess we went in there got the got the shoes and i was oh, sorry am i still on here we still got your audio houston i'm not sure what happened to the video though okay 
There we go. Sorry about that. So we, we get the shoes, and the only shoes that we could get with the $100 bill were Air Monarchs. And he got the white pair, kind of the dad pair. And they were out of white shoes in the 14s, which I had. So I got the, the black Air Monarchs, all black. So kind of like, the, like I had the referee shoes. So Hunter wore those shoes in the weight room with football lifting because they had got they had a sturdy sole and um, were are actually really comfortable. So he started wearing them then, and he beat that pair to death. He wore them whenever. And I guess it was the next year. I think it was for either his uh, Christmas present or a birthday present. He got them. He got them spiked. My mom got them shipped off to a company that was able to fit them as cleats, and it just be, kind of became a thing for him. So he's uh, he's a great brother. Um, our relationship has definitely gotten better as we've gotten older. Obviously, with shared interests and uh, playing football and baseball, we were able to play football together my senior year, his freshman year. And I, I really loved being able to do that with, you know, being able to have my brother on the field with me. Um, my, uh, my senior year, we played CPA during the regular season and we had kind of had some guys get banged up and different things happen. And I was able to be a defensive end. And my little brother who was three years younger than me was right behind me at inside backer. So that was a really cool experience. And we got to play just two baseball games my senior year together but I believe I hit fourth and he hit fifth. And that kind of, I guess, was a precursor to show what was to come with him at the plate, as obviously he's very, very much excelled, to put it uh, as an understatement, at the plate. And he's been able to do big things for the high school, and I'm excited for him to go up to Knoxville. Another neat piece of trivia that you're always going to have, Houston, is that you got to, a chance to play in the Little League World Series in 2014 with the South Nashville team. Uh, of course, that was mm-hmm. – during a stretch of time when it seemed like the Nashville area was sending a team to Williamsport almost every year, um, something that all every kid dreams about, anybody that plays baseball at least. So, I mean, how cool was that to play on TV, to play in, in, in those big stadiums when you were just, you know, 12, 13 years old? Absolutely. It was great. It was a great experience. We had a very talented team. Uh, we had guys like Robert Hassel on that team who got drafted by the Padres in the top 10 in the 2020 draft. And he's doing big things, and hopefully he gets called up at the end of this MLB season. But, yeah, it was a great experience. I was only a 12-year-old. I remember the moment it kind of hit me that it was it was a really big deal, obviously, was when you had, you know, older teenagers. You're 12 at the time. You had 15-, 16-, 17-year-olds asking you for your autograph. And, you know, never really thought about that as, you know, how to sign a ball or how to sign a piece of paper or anything like that at 12. Um, so that was a really cool experience. And then the fact that it's televised too, you watch growing up, you know, they have the intros for the lineups before the game and you got to say my favorite baseball player is and sponsored by, sorry about that. Um, but I don't know what, when I cut off, but it was a really cool experience. The, all the advertisements, the fact that it was televised, you had people asking for autographs. You had, you stayed up in the dorms up on top of the hill with all the other teams and got to know some uh, some kids from different parts of the U.S., but also different parts of the world, obviously, with the international teams that qualify. So it was a really cool experience, and I've definitely appreciated it more as I've gotten older, realizing that you're in a rare company with the um, amount of people that are able to do that and experience that, for sure. You played on Trent Dilfer's first team at Lipscomb Academy, and you actually turned down a Louisville offer to play baseball. But what – when you look at the football program at Lipscomb, how much has changed? I mean, is that does that ever wow you to see how much change has occurred? 
it's um, it's it's definitely changed, and I think in most, I mean, pretty much always for the better. You have um, you have kids that are coming in and they're given the groundwork, um, you know, as freshmen or you know eighth graders in that spring semester, they start working out with the team, and the bones are, are great. And uh, not only do they win on the field, but they've uh, got a great strength and conditioning program. And uh, you've got you've got kids that um, you know may not have been able to have the opportunity to go to Lipscomb or what have you that are able to come in and. Um, you know, play football at a good school, get a good education, but also um, having uh, have the opportunity to form a relationship with Christ, which is the most important thing in my opinion. So, you know, keeping that thing as the most important and then everything else is secondary. So if you can have kids that are, uh, you know, that can be in that program and be around uh, people that can set that example for them, I think that's the, the number one thing. And that's the thing that I definitely appreciate as I uh, gotten older, Coach um, Coach Mark Pugh, who was also one of my teachers at at Lipscomb, the high school. That's somebody that I definitely have an appreciation for, especially as I've gotten older. He's kept in touch with us, regardless if we were an athlete or not, or how we played or excelled or didn't excel in the field. Um, but just when you have, for any high school, when you have coaches that really care about you as a person, not just a player, that leaves a lasting impact on you. And that's going to make you want to come back to games that much more when you've graduated and, you know, you're done, but um, you come back and see those, those uh, men and women that made such an impact on you and want to, you know, give back and say, thank you. Houston, we're going to try to squeeze in two more questions here in the last uh, about minute and a half that we've got with you. But uh, so you've got one, one month left there with the bombers this summer, I guess, what are you hoping to, to get out of that before you, before you head back to school? Yeah. So we're in the middle of our season. want to win a bunch of, win as many games as possible and hopefully win the league championship, but also talking earlier about the city and how they back the team, be able to put on a good product for them and, you know, make it a fun, enjoying uh, environment for the kids too, as we've uh, just finished our kids camp. So really just put a great product on the field and hopefully have a lot of fun for the community. All right, Houston, last thing, uh, let's make it quick. Uh, should be easy though. We talked about a league of their own earlier um, what's the best uh, baseball movie ever made? Man, um, something I've really liked as of late, maybe not the whole movie. There's uh, not as much baseball in it as I'd like as uh, is it For the Love of the Game with Tom Hanks. No, 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 excuse me, um, with Kevin Costner when he throws the perfect game. I forget the name of that. But uh, when Kevin Costner throws the perfect game in that movie and talks about clearing the mechanism and talking about I'm going to give you everything I still got to uh, to his catcher. Um, I, don't know, I kind of related to that at, at Georgia Gwinnett. I was not expecting to go all nine innings. So as, as the game continued, I kind of thought about Kevin Costner a little bit. Just I'm going to give you whatever I got. I don't know how good that's going to be, but just leaving it all out there is something I've appreciated here as of late. Well, definitely worked out that night, and you've been able to keep it up this summer. So, Houston, uh, we really appreciate all the time here. Uh, enjoyed getting to chat with you and, and everything you've, you've been through, and best of luck the rest of the way there with the Bombers. We'll be, we'll be keeping up. Thank you all so much. Thank you again for letting me on here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. That has been 2020 Lipscomb Academy graduate Houston High, now with Freed Hardeman and the Dubois County Bombers. Really appreciate his time. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. 
We'll see you next time on the Main Street Preps, Main Street Preps this week. And we've got one more message for you on the way out. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. <laughs>